When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is episode 268 of Red Sox Beat. Yeah, there's still Red Sox Beat, even though this season is brutal. Josh Lewin with you. We're going to keep on forging forward. At the time I am recording this, the Red Sox have still only six wins. And they're about to play the Phillies, and then they're about to play more good teams. They've just had to deal with the Yankees. And at the time of this recording, this is just before the Monday night game at Yankee Stadium, They haven't beaten the Yankees in, it seems like, a thousand years. We're going to talk about what's gone wrong. We're going to look ahead a little bit. Kevin Ploiecki will join us. One of our spring training interviews, one of the few new Red Sox who's doing something correctly is the backup catcher, Kevin Ploiecki. In fact, he's been better lately than Christian Vasquez. So You're going to hear from him in a little bit. We've got some sports wagering to talk about, and uh, we'll, we'll get you to that in short order. Steve Lyons will join us. Psycho will have things broken down for us as well on this particular pod, number 268. 268 would be a lovely ERA for anybody. No Red Sox seems to have that. A lot of guys in the 8s, 9s, and 10s. But uh, we'll get into that. I don't want to get too deep into that because it's just very depressing. One good thing to tell you, with sports coming back, your chance to bet on sports is here. And your exclusive wagering partner, betonline.ag, that's where we want to direct you here. Bet Online has sat down with Eddie George from the NFL, Robert Horry, seven-time NBA champion, Harold Reynolds. Uh, they're doing some cool things with this uh, pandemic thing that they're calling it. Uh, a lot of nice conversation just about what it's like to be playing ball again in these very weird times. But go to betonline.ag. You can check out all the odds, up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of the Welcome Back to Sports bonuses Bet online, your online wagering solutions. Are you willing to wager that the worst is over for the Red Sox? I think we're all sitting here hoping that's the case. Let me get you caught up. Again, I know some of this is dated information, but the first two games of that Yankees series, uh, Garrett Cole was like, a, that was not going to go well no matter what, right? He's now won 20 straight regular season decisions. Talkman comes in to replace Judge, has four runs batted in. D.J. LeMahieu goes two for five in that game, sees his batting average drop. So at that point, the Sox had lost 12 of their last 13 against the Yankees. That was a game J.D. Martinez was 0 for 4 with four punchouts. Sorry, J.D., the video is not going to save you here. you, you got to tough it out, figure it out all on your own. Saturday, 11 of 5 was the final. The Yankees had four separate multi-run innings, all without Stanton or Judge. LeMay, who left with a sprained left thumb after his third A.B., he missed two and a half weeks with that same injury a couple years back in Colorado, so he might be out for that same length of time here. But the Yankees, with Glaber Torres struggling, Sanchez isn't hitting, Hicks isn't hitting, Gardner's not hitting, Chapman hasn't pitched for him, yet they're in first place. They are, as of this recording, undefeated at Yankee Stadium. They're a zombie horde, these guys. They just keep coming, whether they're a famous player or someone nobody knows that well. Mike Ford, Tyler Wade. Those, I mean, the, the Yankees' B lineup is still stronger than a lot of A teams' lineups, right? So 
the Sox, with all this losing at Yankee Stadium, and as I'm recording this, go ahead and, and combine what they've done against the Rays and the Yankees lately. Their last 28 games, they've won three of them. And if you want to really be depressed, Mookie's batting average is higher than the Red Sox winning percentage. I don't want to go too deep down the Mookie hole here, but he's doing some amazing things. I mean, when's a guy ever signed a contract this big and overperformed on it early? I know there's still a dozen more years to go, but Mookie with another three home run game. He's got six of those in his career now. Hank Aaron had one. Mookie's already got six. He's going to play another dozen years. That was a Red Sox thing, and I don't, again, won't want to get too deep into it because it just makes you want to rip your eyeballs out. But when you have a transcendent talent, a transcendent homegrown talent, you do everything it takes to keep the transcendent homegrown talent. Am I wrong, or wouldn't you rather have Mookie than Chris Sale? All due respect to Chris Sale, even if he wasn't hurt. He's not a homegrown guy. He's not an everyday difference maker. He's a once every five days difference maker if he's healthy. And at least the Sunday night game, which they lost four to two, a very boring game, uh, that stopped that run of eight or more runs in six consecutive games. Didn't stop the losing streak. It went to seven. But basically, the Red Sox were giving up an earned run every inning for a week. And when they're scoring five or six runs, even seven runs, they're still not winning those games. Highest DRA in team history right now, and, and, and that'll happen when guys who made 113 starts for you the year before won't make a single start for you the year after. I get some of that, but into the Monday night game, Red Sox starters have um, thrown four innings or fewer in each of the 13 games that haven't been started by Evaldi or Perez, and the Red Sox are 1-12 in those 13 games. Let's let's at least attempt to cheer you up mildly. I'm going to bring on Steve Lyons here by the magic of telephone. I know the uh, the lines aren't great these days. We're trying to do all this by Zoom, so forgive me. It's not going to be a perfect quality phone call, but if anybody could cheer us up, maybe Steve Psycho Lyons, find some light at the end of this deep, dark tunnel. Let's try. Here is the conversation with Steve Lyons, with more still to come after that. Steve Lyons is on the phone, ladies and gentlemen, and we don't normally do it this way, but because he's on a time crunch and I'm on a time crunch, we're going to catch up in real time. Normally, this would be what I talk to Steve about before I hit record, but Psycho, I've already hit record. How are you? I'm doing well. So does me. I can't say any bad words then, huh? Well, it's a podcast, so you can take a few liberties here and there. I would say the F word is still something you should stay away from, but if you want to say, like, ass or something, I would say you could <laughs> totally say ass, if that helps. So I, I was just promising the good listeners that you would find some positivity out of whatever the, the heck is going on here. Uh, did I misrepresent that? Is there anything, uh, maybe Alex Verdugo, uh, I mean, what, what can we talk about that's positive? Well, yeah, I mean, there are a few positive things there, aside from the rest of the team playing like ass. Is that, is that okay? Good word. Yep, perfect. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, Verdugo's been fun. Uh, you know, I think we kind of predicted that. I mean, he was the type of player that this team needed. Uh, they, 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 all due respect, they have very little um, vocal leadership on that team. All the really good players, guys like J.D. and Bogey, uh, you know, those those guys aren't very vocal. They're they're quiet leaders. Devers, 
had a great year last year, and, you know, he doesn't speak English very well. Obviously, he can communicate really well with the, with the Latin players, and he communicates really well with the Red Sox fans with his, his facial expressions because you, you pretty much know when he's happy or sad, and that, that was always a lot of fun to watch. But, you know, the thing that I said was that Verdugo coming in is that he's a little bit of a hot dog, and that's exactly what that clubhouse needs, a guy that's, you know, a little boisterous, a little out there, a little, you know, draws a lot of attention to himself with the way he plays. And as long as he's going to play well, that's always going to be a good thing. Okay, so I'm glad we got a little bit of positivity. Let me ask you about J.D. because I know he's he's struggling, and he struggled a bit early last year, too, and the, the video, going to the video room and just kind of talking himself off the ledge, that all worked out. There's so much talk now that because of the new protocols, he can't get in there and look at his advance in between them. Now, as an ex-player, and you didn't have the kind of access and the kind of video back when you played, I get it. But am I wrong, or is J.D. just a little bit too far inside his own head at this point? Couldn't he just go out there and just kind of, you know, shake the etcher sketch and say, all right, the hell with it. I'm going to pretend I've never seen video. I'm a good baseball player. I'm going to go out there and get my two knocks tonight. Yeah, I mean, the guy's amazingly talented. Uh, and it's hard to watch him go through what he's going through right now uh, because he's a shell of, of the player that we've watched and the player that is a shell of the player that everybody's seen uh, since he got released from the Astros, you know, years ago. Um, but I, I think what it is with him is, you know, he has, you know, let's say he needs five things to be able to do in order to be a, the player that he is right now. And he feels like someone has taken away one of those things. And that's why it might not seem all that important to you and I. To him, it's one of the things that makes him great, and it's gone now. And, you know, I think after getting off to a slow start, it, it's an easy crutch, and it, it's easy to blame. And I'm not sure that he's doing this. You know, no one really gets to talk to him a whole lot about how he's feeling. We all know that he's upset that he can't do it. But – how much he's relying on that and how much importance he's put on that, you know, could be a little more than, you know, than him just really being a good hitter and go out there and hit. Let me ask you about Devers because I think the guy's going to give himself a concussion because all the times that he hits himself on the head after he fouls one off or swings and misses. And that was cute last year when he was hitting 311 because it's not like he had to bonk himself on the head that often. Seems like he's bonking himself nine times a game now, so I'm worried for him. Does he miss Alex Cora? Does he miss – what's going on with Rafi? He just looks like he's chasing. Uh, in the field, he's been a mess. What is that? Well, you know, I think a lot of people have brought up the name Alex Cora, and there's no question that Alex was very good uh, for Raphael and kind of whipped him into shape, you know, stayed on him all the time. You know, he saw his potential. He made him work harder. And I think no matter who the manager was this year, it's a lot harder to do because you don't have the extra time. These guys are on a schedule when they get to the ballpark. A lot of them can't even come early to work on things. Uh, I, I, you know, personally, I think Rafi's a little heavier this year than he was last year. Um, he's certainly going outside the zone more than even he's used to. You know, we, we always talk about bad ball hitters, and he is one of those. But you can't hit a pitch that's in the other batter's box, you know, and, 
he's, he's put himself into some really bad hitters count by being overly aggressive this season, and it hasn't worked out for him. So, uh, you know, he needs to settle in a little better in the play and, and be a little more selective with what he's swinging at. Now, on the other side of the ledger here, I didn't necessarily bring you on to talk pitching. I know that's not your milieu uh, necessarily, but but you've seen enough of it. You know enough about it. Look, the, the Red Sox have been around 120 years, Psycho, and, and only once has their team ERA been as bad as 5.01. This year it's over 6.01. Okay, so uh, that, that's concerning and that's troubling. Lots of 3-1, and one, lots of 3-2, and two, kind of pitcher back into a corner at bat. And I'm looking at, and I don't mean to pick on Perez, but I actually kind of like Martin Perez, but he's throwing 30% fastballs this year. The whole team is throwing 37% four-seam fastballs. Are they just too cute? Are they too nibbly? Uh, I mean, there's no other team in baseball. I get it that not everybody's throwing the fastball a lot these days, but everybody else is at at least 40%, if not 50%. The the Sox are at 37%. Yeah, I mean, end of the day, I, I don't think I'm so far removed from playing this game to say that the the best pitch in the game is still a good fastball. Uh, you know, I mean, they have Godley, the starter, who they've basically told him to shove his, bas- his fastball in his back pocket and don't throw it. He had to start way through six of them. You know, I mean, so and then it's curveball, 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 changeup. Uh you know, I think it comes a little bit from the personnel. There's not a lot of guys on that team that can bring it. You know, not too many guys can throw, you know, mid-90s. You know, Godley can't. Uh, Weber can't. Even Martin Perez, you know, he topped out about 92. So they have, they're trying to go with the weapons that they think they can get away with. And going away from the fastball because it's not their best pitch is one of the things that they've decided to do. Now, I think we also have to talk about Red Sox pitching and certainly mention the fact that they weren't prepared for a Tommy John surgery on, on, on sale, and they weren't prepared for a heart problem with Erod. And so when you have Sale as your number one, Erod backing him up, uh, Ivaldi is your number three, and Martin Perez is your number four, and then flip a coin to let guys fight over that number five spot, which a lot of teams have to do. Now you're looking at a pitching staff that wouldn't have been too darn shabby. And so they weren't really prepared for this uh, hurricane that hit them. And, and it, it hit them way worse than anyone would have expected. Yeah, it's a great way to put it. And I was just talking about how the Yankees, they don't miss the beat when all their hitters go down. I guess it is a little tougher to replace pitching. But it's annoying to see the Yankees lose Stanton and Judge and, and not miss the beat. Let me ask you, Mike, about where it goes from here. I mean, there's no way this team with this rotation and this bullpen is going to the playoffs. And if they do somehow grab that eighth spot or whatever, they're they're quickly gone. Uh, they've got pending free agents here with Bradley, Pilar, even Brandon Workman. So let's start there and, and even talk about Mitch Moreland and, and, you know, and also Martin Perez into the mix. I mean, would he be a guy that's attractive to a, a borderline team that needs a number three starter? Who who should get traded in the next couple of weeks? Who do you think will get traded? I would say that there's there's two untouchables on the team, and that's Bogarts and Devers. After that, I don't think anyone's untouchable. But I always worry about it. I mean, obviously the guys that are pending free agents are guys that you probably are going to move. And, you know, you mentioned Bradley and J.D. Uh, you know, we just found out, I mean, at least we're pretty sure – 
that I believe the, the DAs will be universal in the game moving forward. That opens up 15 more opportunities for J.D. Martinez. So having him opt out of his deal with the Red Sox would not be any big surprise to me. So I would think the Red Sox would definitely think about getting something for him this year before that happens. And maybe if he straightens things out, he can help a contending team this year. Um, you know, what you're going to get back for him is going to be quite a bit less than what you normally would if he wasn't a free agent, obviously. Um, you know, you mentioned Moreland. Uh, you know, he's a guy that certainly can help a team. You know, he's, he's the oldest guy on the team. He does need days off. He's better off hitting against just right-handed pitching. That's a piece of the puzzle that someone could use. I just um, – I caution always against, you know, trading away the farm in a bad year. Everyone's like, oh, trade these guys, start over. Well, yeah, well, it looks like that's what they were doing this year. It looks like they're starting over. Starting over isn't any fun. There's a lot of bumps in the road. So, you know, like, I I mean, I, I hear Polaris name too. I wouldn't trade Mark. We're seeing his best year. His best year of his career was last year, and he's playing excellent baseball this year. I would be working on re-signing a guy like Pilar, not thinking about trading him away. Let me finish with you, Steve, before I let you go, and I know you're just about to tape uh, or pre-tape a pre-game show here, but – are you like me, still looking longingly at every time Mookie hits a home run in L.A.? And, and, I, and I'm actually, you know, out here on the West Coast now, so I can tell you, people are already basically thinking this guy's Magic Johnson in a baseball uniform. Do we need to just blink and move past it, or is it okay to mourn a little bit what we had and, and kind of kick the can and, and say, darn it, you know, they should have done whatever it took to keep him here? You know, I'm torn there because I love watching Mookie play. We all do. But he signed a 12-year contract. Mookie's not a big guy. He's, you know, he's already stopped stealing bases, so he's not a run threat anymore. Uh, he's gonna, you know, he plays hard, so he is gonna be, he's gonna be an old 34, 35 years old, and then you still got six more years of that contract to pay. So is he gonna play great for the next five? Yeah. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't. The guy's a phenomenal talent. But then you're also going to be paying him $30 million plus for six to seven years of that contract that aren't going to be all that fun to be around. And uh, so you, you better win now. and You better win in the near term over the next four or five seasons with Mookie still at his, his absolute best because we all get older and our skills start to diminish. And Mookie not being a real big guy, I think that's going to hit him a little harder and a little quicker than most. I know. See, there's a positive take. I told people that they, if they just listen to you, they'd feel better about life. Hey, I, I know you got to run. I do too. I, I'm looking forward, buddy, to where we can catch up over actual beverages and, and not even socially distant ones, but I'm, I'm sure that's going to be in 2021. Uh, thank you for everything. Keep up the great work on Nesson, and, and please stay safe, and we'll talk to you soon. Anytime, Josh. Thank you. So that was Steve Lyons. Now we move along. And the, the episode I need to mention to you is sponsored by our good friends at Scoremetric Sports Trading System. You're going to hear more about them and listen to John Tadora in just a moment. I know you've heard of Sabermetrics with the Oakland A's and all of that going back to the early 2000s. But this is Scoremetrics. It's the system that the legendary sports better John Tadora has used to propel himself under a, a multi-million dollar lifestyle in, in baseball record times. So uh, you're talking about last year's baseball season. Score metrics produced a 217% gain. 
They got back-tested results of the members-only alert system based purely off the score metrics method. If you look at that, their uh, compounded ROI last four years, 6,796%. So I just want to throw that out there before I bring up John because uh, that's about the, the, all the stats I know. But to, to get access and start placing your high-probability bets today, you go to sportstradingsystems.com slash podcast. That's sportstradingsystems.com slash podcast. Now we can actually bring John on, uh, introduce him to you. I- I've got questions. I know you got some for me too, John. But first of all, welcome. Great to have you here. You, you do so much more than just baseball, but uh, what was the, 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 I guess, the impetus to make you a sports guy in general? Where, where did that start? Well, look, I, I've always been a huge sports fan. I, you know, I played sports when I was younger. Uh, I was uh, I was okay at it for a while, blew up my knee, always had this like wannabe in sports type of relationship with my life. Uh, actually, I went to school to be a broadcaster, just like you. I and I took, a, I took a left turn because I needed, uh, needed the money. I feel like it was almost like oh, it's a weird story, but I needed the money. Uh, I was someone today, hey, if you really want to be a radio DJ, if you really want to be a sportscaster, you need to get on the microphone. You need to learn how to do this. So I ended up working in strip clubs for about 18 years. I was a strip club DJ. Right on. Uh, after that, I bought sports bars. I had owned like three sports bars. I became super entrenched in like the sports industry again. And a few years ago, I, on a whim, uh, after I lost a bunch of money uh, in 2008 during the housing crash, I decided I, I need a new way to invest. I need something different. And a, a guy I knew that was a customer at my bar was watching a game. He was very excited about the game. I said, do you have money on the game? And he said, yeah. I said, well, you know, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. And he said, I never lose. I'm an investor. And he had this whole story about how he was investing in sports. He was really drunk, by the way. <laughs> and, uh, and the story was, was complete nonsense. But as I walked away, I started to realize that the way I used to invest in stocks and the way I had invested in property before 2008 was very similar to, to what sports has. I just followed like back-tested analytics. So uh, for an example, you, can, you, know, you go back 10 years, you look at the, the price of a stock, you see when the stock goes up, you see when the stock goes down. You can work this, uh, it works really well in like the commodities industries and stuff like that. So I kind of developed a system that took me a few years. I'm not going to lie. I, I fell down a few times along the way. I developed a system that allows me to trade sports the same way that other people trade stocks. And that's what I do now. It's really interesting. And so the sports that you're currently trading, I mean, obviously, there's a baseball podcast, but what's the yeah. breadth of this thing? Well, so I, I, trade, I trade the three big sports. I trade baseball, I trade basketball, and I trade uh, football. Now, I trade those because those are my interests, to be quite honest with you. But what I've learned, and I, and I really, really learned this just recently, too. I always thought this would work for anything. But it, I re- throughout the, when the pandemic hit and all sports stopped, you know, I needed something to do. So I actually developed a system that uh, I used for the NFL draft using back-tested data. I used it for the NFL draft. We did a, I sent it out to all my, my, uh, my uh, newsletter members. We made 115% the night of the, of the draft. Um, you know, we, we break things up into the multiple systems, diversified, d- different type of uh, unit allocations. So it's a little complicated, but it's, it's pretty easy to teach people. Um, and I made money from a couple UFC events. So, but major, like mainly I trade the big three sports. And again, I trade them because I love them. Uh, I, I'm, I was thinking about doing a European soccer uh, thing, but I, I really just, 
I don't want to be a jerk, but I don't really know the author I mean, that well. They, they tell authors right about what you know, right? I mean, so yeah. kind of the same thing here. Uh, John Tadora visiting with us. They call him the Sports Trader. His website is sportstradingsystems.com. It's sports with an S, tradingsystems.com. Uh, real quick, John, because we don't have it for too much longer. How can the people listening to this learn more? What, what's the next step? So um, you can do uh, several things. You can go to sportstradingsystems.com slash podcast, which is a special URL that we set up just for you. So you can go over there and check out uh, a video that I've set up for everybody that'll explain exactly what it is I do. Or you can go right to sportstradingsystems.com and you can take the shortcut. You can gr- uh, grab yourself at the bottom of the, uh, of the website. There's a place where you can join our newsletter. Or like I told you, I send out a lot of free information, a lot of free uh, uh, educational stuff. So you can learn the difference between sports gambling and sports trading right on my last question for you is and because i'm actually looking at you on a zoom is that a sledgehammer over your your ear what is that on that shelf behind you oh oh this is the uh don't hurt oh hammer of thor hammer of thor that was it was given to me as a gift i I should have told somebody i said oh i really love this thing and then it showed up one day it's a nice gift it's like 250 bucks Wow. Well, I, you, having, done, having done the Mets games for a while, kindergarten. But Well, I was going to tell you, it actually cost even more because uh, you don't know this, but you're talking to me now and I'm in Thailand. So oh. it's actually 3 a.m. here. Wow. We, we could have done this at a totally different time, you know. I, I, <laughs> now you tell me. Up too and everything. I thought you'd be in PJs or whatnot. Although what you're wearing on the bottom, I, I, maybe I should not ask you. I just have a shirt on. That's it. Well, you know what? I'd be doing the same thing. Hey, by the way, you can actually help me out. We're going to make a little transition here. A guy that, sure. that went to uh, to Purdue, uh, and it, really, that's a, you know the Drew Brees school, right? I mean, there's been sure. football players came out of there. Kevin Ploiecki is the Red Sox backup catcher. He is our last scheduled interview of this podcast. I got to go ahead and pitch to that interview right now. Uh, do you have any um, any Purdue insight or any Drew Brees insight that can can make this a segue, or is that just what's out there? Oh, I don't actually. I wish you would have told me before we started. I would have looked up a quick Drew Drew Brees insight. I know. I I, I messed up. I got nothing for you. Yeah, I, mean, I blame myself. I mean, you're the guy <laughs> at 3 a.m. to do this. But anyway, John Tadora with us, SportsTradingSystems.com. Do check it out. It's really, really interesting. Uh, and without any further ado, let me take you back to spring training. Here's a Purdue Boilermaker, Kevin Ploiecki. You ended up at Purdue. Uh, where else might you have gone? Why'd you pick Purdue? Uh, well, it was pretty easy when it all came down to it. Um, both my parents went to Purdue. I grew up a diehard Purdue fan. You know, I grew up watching Drew Brees going to football games as a kid. So when I got a call from them, the decision was easy, you know, for me. But, I mean, I did explore other options just to make sure I was, you know, I did do that and did do my homework. So I was like between there, I took a visit to IU. Um, you know, Michigan State was up there, and, and then Louisville went to went to a trip to Louisville, and ultimately, um, you know, decided Purdue was the best fit for me. You just drew a concentric circle about 150 miles around from yeah. where you grew up. So are you are you a homebody? Do, do you consider yourself that? Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. Uh, I live I live in Arizona now, so I'm, I, I got out of the Midwest. I got out of there. I couldn't do the winters anymore. So <laughs> we uh, we moved out there in '16, and and. Um, yeah, we love it out there. So, um, yeah, I'm out of this. I'm done with that cold winter, man. I, I know. I just remember you telling me when you were at Purdue, you were enough of a baseball geek that it wasn't just playing. You would go occasionally to Wrigley, check that out. Tell me about sitting in the bleachers and, and how awful you were to opposing uh, players. Yeah, we, uh, we. There was one time in particular we took like a like a party bus deal up there with some boys <laughs> in college, and it was when summer was. Uh, 
Baseball season was still going on, but school was out. We took a took one of those buses up there for a game and sat in the outfield, left center bleachers, and we were. I remember we were harassing Marlon Bird so hard in the first first inning. We about got kicked out of the bleachers, <laughs> and we were on and just about making a top ten. On uh, we obviously um, you know had a couple cocktails in us, but we were having a good time. And he ended up making a top ten play that day, and you know made a heck of a diving play. Looked up and gave us a point. We were all you know we were all going nuts, but we had a good. Uh, good time there and I mean even before that growing up as a kid my dad would always take me and my brother and my mom would we'd go up there um go to Wrigley and, and you know I grew up a Cubs fan so it, it was it's always special for me to go back there and, and now I get to play and uh you know just as a kid it brings back a lot of memories sure. you know growing up it's how crazy this game is you end up being in a major league clubhouse with Marlon Bird just years later that's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy to come full circle at times, but you know, at the time, obviously, not even thinking anything about it. Right, so right. it's uh, it's wild, but you know, the the journey's been great up to this point. So you know, who else? Who knows who else I harassed along the way? That I've lived, <laughs> right. <so. laughs> uh, real quick, Kev. Now that you've kind of gone away from the the bad boy image. Uh, you're a family man. You you got a kid. Uh, tell me what it's like being a daddy. Yeah, it's the best thing in the world. Uh, you know, I talk about perspective. I think life's all about perspective. And you know, ever since he's been born, it just reassures that you know this is just a game that we play. You know, granted, there's a lot of hard work and you know stuff that goes into it. And you know, I'm the biggest competitor out of anybody. But you know, at the end of the day, whether I'm four for four, zero for four, when I go home and see the smile on his face and you know get to spend time with him, my wife, it's uh, you know the best joy in the world. So I love every day. And you know, he. Uh, he pushes me to be better, you know, not only as a baseball player, just being a better person, better father, better father. So it's uh, it's been a lot, a lot of fun so far. I can't wait for, you know, a lot of good more, a lot more memories. Yeah. So I got to ask just to finish up at a year and a half or, or thereabouts right now. What's he into? Does he recognize daddy on TV when you're on TV? How is that dynamic? Yeah, actually, he, he does. You know, it, it, my wife gets mad because he, he doesn't say mama yet. He just always says dada. So. <laughs> You know, he was. They were watching the game yesterday while we were. They were stayed home and we, they were watching the game while we were in Port Charlotte. That was on TV, and he, you know, he looked at the TV and you know says Dada. You know, anytime he sees baseball on TV in general, any game, you know, he he, he just says Dada because you know half the season that's where he sees me at is on TV. Right. So uh, it's so much fun seeing him. You know, pick up little things, and you know, it's tough during the year when I'm gone for a week. You know, come home, I feel like he's learned. 10, 20 new different things, but hmm. at the same time, we, we try and FaceTime every day just to at least sh- show my face, and, you know, it's it's so much fun. What's the soundtrack in the Pulecki household right now? Is, I mean, when I was growing up, it was all Barney and that nonsense, yeah. so what? I, I don't even know now. What What's the, the nonsense you have to listen yeah, to? I, I guess it's it's uh, it, a lot, the movies that he's into right now are like Toy Story, uh, you know, Cars is a big one right now, Paw Patrol, all that stuff. <laughs> You know, quite honestly, it's it's pretty good TV. I'm not gonna lie, I'm really into Cars right now. It's yeah, actually, why not? It's actually a pretty pretty good movie. So you know, there's times I, I find myself getting more locked in the movie than he is. And I, so uh, you know, there's there's some. It's good for me to brush up. You know, Lion King and stuff. Good good for me to brush up on. You know, some childhood movies that I kind of yeah. had forgotten about. Hey, continued success to you, buddy. Congrats on everything. Well, there you go. There's a Kevin Ploiecki from spring training interview. I wasn't sure he'd make the team ahead of Jonathan Lucroy, to be honest with you initially. But remember experience with the Indians, experience with the Mets. He's overachieving right now. He's hitting around 390 as of this recording. His OPS is 918. You know who's got a lower OPS than Kevin Ploiecki right now? Uh, Corey Seager, Jose Ramirez, Anthony Rizzo, Ronald Acuna Jr., Alex Bregman, Marcelo Zuna, Alex Verdugo, who we all love. I I could go on and on, but I won't. My My point is that Ploiecki has been a ray of sunshine in an otherwise very dismal 
2020 season. So with that, thanks again to our guests today. Thank you guys for hanging in there. We'll keep pounding these things out, keep you current on what's good, what's wrong, what could hopefully improve. But let's face it, we're all very much looking forward to 2021 for a lot of different reasons. And the Red Sox playing so poorly, that is certainly one of those reasons.